What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Between Two Tackles. I'm your host, Alex Spinelli, and alongside me, as always, is Ray Volo Di Montalbano. We got the trio back, fellas. How we feeling, Dino? Welcome back. Been Thank a long you time. Very much. Warm welcome. Um, feels good to be back. I feel like a part of my day to day and a part of my uh, my life uh, has been missing without you two and without BTT. Uh, this faithful keeps uh keeps me going yeah for me it's like my herpes finally went away and now it's back so that's how i'm feeling about this whole thing nice thanks but i I have missed you you know yeah burning sensation burning sensation (laughs) nice that was was a good one right thanks all right fellas uh as we are in the midst of draft talks trying to do a little something different today we got 10 burning questions about this upcoming draft about some teams um we each came up with a few questions so we're just going to keep it rolling keep it conversational and let's have a good time i'm going to start us off uh first question which team is the most interesting to possibly trade up or trade back in the first round of this upcoming draft ray we'll start with you Ooh, okay so this one's a little bold for me but i'm gonna go with a trade back possibly what if Chicago ends up with the first pick and whoever the new regime is, they punt on the quarterback this year and mm. they just fuck, they trade back with that first pick, just accumulate as money, as many assets as possible and then target either Marvin Harrison Jr., Olufushanu or both they can get because they still have that second first round pick and they just accumulate tons of day two assets and future first next year. I think that could be something that it's though unlikely. And let's just say even let they finish with like the third pick and decide, fuck it, let's just let's trade back and just get as many assets as possible and just get because this team is very, very uh, talent de- depleted on all both sides of the ball. They still need some couple offensive linemen, a few defensive linemen, despite the sweat trade and just some cornerback help with especially with uh, I think Johnson's gonna be a free agent. So I don't know. I think they have a, a team with a lot of holes. I think that could be an interesting spot to trade back, it's obviously, depending on who this new regime that they hire is. Yeah. I'm so curious too, just for Chicago's sake, what Justin Fields is worth in an open market. I feel like the price range varies so much from team to team. Like, does he command a first? No, no shot. It's crazy. No, he's, he, he I, get, I think he gets like a second round pick maybe, but it could be like, a, I think maybe a 2025 20, second, something similar to this, the Darnold trade. Yeah. That's uh the Bears are are very interesting with a ton of picks. Do you know who you got for this? Yeah, I really I actually the first thing I thought of was what Ray thought, not not the part about them punching on the quarterback. I think that's Alex Jones level conspiracy theorist <laughs> talk, to be completely honest with you, especially when you have so much draft capital and most likely two top five, top six, top seven picks, whatever it may be. If they have the first overall pick, though, I do see it very interesting as a possibility considering, you know, you have the a ton of quarterbacks that are being looked at as, as upper echelon guys that can be taken in the top 10. I feel like if they really do like a Drake May and we see with Caleb who – is still probably going to be the first overall pick. Say they have the first overall pick and we see that he's very, I I don't want to say cryptic, but he's kind of weird. I I do kind of believe them when he says, I'm not going to play for an NFL team unless it's the team of my choosing. I know it sounds crazy, but 
I actually believe him when he says that. And if he's going to be like that, trading back with a G-Men team so they get their Caleb and then say you get the second or third pick and you have a Drake May or Michael Penix, I, I don't know uh, who you would take or who they would prefer. But there's not a crazy, crazy gap. I, I would say the these quarterbacks are just playing out of their minds. So th- that's the first one that came to mind to me personally. Nice. Uh, I had two teams when I thought of this question. The Cardinals were kind of an obvious one. They have so many; they have six picks in the first three rounds, and they're currently at four and twenty. And it seems like they want to move ahead with Kyler as their quarterback. So you do have a lot of options to trade up and go get the guys you want, or to trade back and just accumulate picks. The other one I thought of was Seattle. They've drafted so well over the last few years. They're 26 right now. They have no second-round pick, but they have three third-round picks, too. I think the way that they've drafted in the past few years just gives them a ton of options to either move up, maybe look at quarterback, um, or trade back and just to keep accumulating assets, keep adding to this already good roster. So those are the two teams I was thinking. Yeah, I, the, with the Cardinals, though, the only thing I could think of is, especially if they end up picking in that top-10 range, are they really going to want to pay a, a quarterback premium to go up and get a non-quarterback position? Assuming Kyler is going to be their guy for the future. I don't see them. I mean, I, I'll like get to my question, but I don't know if they're going to be in the quarterback market per se. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason why that's the only thing that would make me question that. Yeah. I mean, we saw it last year with the Texans going after, uh, going after Will Anderson to move up to three. So that is hey, true. any, anything can happen, but um, I definitely see what you're saying. Uh, Ray, let's go to your first question. Okay, so maybe a nice little piggyback off what I was just saying, though. Um, so a loaded, loaded quarterback draft class, a lot of uncertainty, I feel like, at the position in general for a lot of teams. So rank these teams who are projected top 10 picks at the moment and they have quarterbacks signed for 2024. Which which of these teams is most likely to draft a guy to replace their current sort of quarterback? So I got five teams. We got the Giants the Cardinals, the Broncos, the Packers, and the Rams. Which team is most likely and which team do you think is least likely to draft the quarterback to replace their current guy? I would love to answer this first. Go ahead. I think I think that my five in this order is pretty set in stone, in my opinion. Maybe not, maybe not one of them, but you guys know I was going to be here. Uh, anyway, I'll just dive into it. Obviously, number one has to be the G-Men. It's not even a thought. It, it, there's no way it could be anything else other than that. After that, personally, it's the Rams. Just too many, too many injuries for Stafford. And you do have a potential out after 2025. You are on the fucking hook, 2023, 2024, though, for this contract. But get a guy and feel comfortable that they could be a year, probably less than a year, because Stafford will probably end up getting hurt. I mean, he has just the wear and tear on this guy's body behind that Detroit Lions O line, which was, you know, endless amounts of video of him getting pummeled throughout his career. I don't know. I think they start looking elsewhere. After that would be the Broncos again, another potential out after 2025. Russ did just cook though. So I, I will <laughs> I will hold off. And the only reason I, I have Broncos and Rams ahead of Packers and Cards is I, I do I do think there is a sliver of hope still. This is a long project. And not only did you draft this guy in the first round when you should have been getting help for Aaron Rodgers, but for the Packers, Jordan Love has just been, you know, it's their baby. It's not just like a a draft pick 
who has been failing for several years, a high draft pick that has, you know, again, been failing for several years. It's a guy you've been developing into your system for several years. I think they definitely give him another go. And then I've been saying this since jump. I don't give a fuck. The Cardinals are keep staying with Kyler. Kyler is special. He has shown over and over again. He's a top 10 guy. I think he's going to show he's a top 10 guy the second half of this season. I was saying that when he gets back, I, I expect this to happen. Jonathan Gannon has his guys going on all cylinders, even without the talent. Uh, they're they're probably going to get some wins, squeak some wins out. And I expect them to be, you know, out of the top eight personally by the time the draft comes around in the end of the season. So that would be my five. Yeah, I actually uh, I've. I think I have a pretty similar order. I definitely agree the Giants are the most likely to replace their quarterback. I mean, you could see it all over Dable's face every time they play. Like, he's so done with with not having his guy, which is crazy because they paid him. Um, But Giants are definitely the most likely, and I agree the Cardinals are the least likely of these teams. I think my order in the middle might differ a little bit. Um, I agree that the Rams are – pretty likely to move on from Stafford, whether I think he's still going to be there and he's still going to play next year, but I think they'll end up drafting somebody. I do think the Broncos are very interesting. Like Sean Payton signed up to coach this team, knowing that Russell Wilson was going to be the quarterback. So I just think that the way that the season has gone, especially these last few weeks for the Broncos, I think they might hold out for Russ at least for one more year, and I think they might try to rework this this wide receiver core. The Packers are extremely interesting. I don't know what they do. Jordan Love, I think he's gonna be like twenty. He's gonna be like twenty six next year already. It seems like time is flying, mm-hmm. and he stinks. Dean, I'm sorry. <laughs> the pa- the Packers stink. I, Jordan, listen, Jordan Love I, stinks. Listen, his his most dynamic offensive, his both of his most dynamic offensive weapons have just not been healthy at all. Aaron Jones has not. Christian Watson still has not. His most important offensive piece, not even those two, got hurt immediately. David Bakhtiari, and before he got hurt, he was. I mean. Honestly, I'm kind of talking out of my ass right now because he still gets a technically, if you look at the analytics, he still gets a lot of time in the pocket, uh, a clean pocket. I, I mean, I don't know. He's got a pretty deep ball sometimes and it looks really good. I just don't get how he can't put it together. I He has flashes. I, I just think that they're going to end up holding out with him because he's a little bit. He's not even their baby. He's like their toddler. It's weird. You know who else has flashes? Zach. No. Um, so if I if I had to rank them in an order, I think it's Giants most likely, then the Rams, then the Packers, Broncos, Cardinals. That would be my five. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page. I, I have Giants. I think the Packers are two. I think Brian uh, Gutenkes's uh, comments he's made the last couple of weeks are a little concerning, and uh, he's only got one year left on his deal, and it's pretty reasonable. So I could so see them bringing in some more competition. Uh, then three, I would say, would be the Rams, four Broncos, five Cardinals. I think those bottom two teams, it's just contract-wise. I don't see how you can make it work uh, being this bad and such a loaded class and just ha- also paying a quarterback, whatever, like $50 million or whatnot. So I just don't yeah. think it's too possible. Nice. All right, Dino, what do you got for your first question? Oh, shit, I should have that on hand. Uh, Well, just give me one second. Oh, okay, I like this one. So which player from the 2023 NFL draft class – that you either high on or low on has surprised you 
in their first NFL year, whether whether it be you were low on them and they've surprised you and done really well, or you were really high on them and they've surprised you and have been abysmal. Ooh, Ray, you want to take you want to take this qu- one first? That's a good question. We don't do a lot too many look back stuff. I feel like we should do that more often. I always forget mm-hmm. to do it. I'm pu- I'm pulling up last year's. Yeah, scouting. I gotta pull up my stuff too. <laughs> um, well, first, just off the top of my head, the first person I could think of, uh, Tank Dell. Because that was someone who I was just I was out. That's who I also was thinking. A uh, hundred sixty pound receiver is just so not my speed, especially after um. Oh my god, who was the other really light fast one? I think he went to oh two two Atwell after the two mm. two Atwell experience. I was like, oh this guy, I can't do this again. But Tank Dell is a full. He's like a complete receiver. He's really good route runner and can separate really well. And he's just explosive with the ball in his hands. He moves very uh very uniquely. I would say so. He's someone that. I don't know if he's ever going to be a number one or technically maybe not even like a true number two, but he's someone that a a creative offensive coordinator can work with really well. And I think he'll be in the league for a little bit. And then another one, um, Sam Laporta, he's the starting tight end on the lines already. And he's just been, he's been a a main target for them. And I was, I, he wasn't even my top five last year. So those are the two guys that come uh, top of head. Um, Yeah, for me. Oh, this one actually jumped out. Uh, Devon A-Chain. I was pretty low, especially compared to you guys with Devon A-Chain. I was really worried about the size. Honestly, I think I was right in that where he's been banged up pretty much all season. <laughs> but when he is on the field, he's been electric. Um, I didn't love his vision coming out, but I think especially once he got into this Mike McDaniel system, he's exploded when he's been in there. Um but he's he's played great, and I think I had him as running back seven. Um, talent wise, he's he's obviously better than that. the The weight was was a big thing for me, and then the other guy, not that he's played exceptionally well, but Luke Musgrave, I I had way down in my tight end rankings. Um, he's played pretty well. I did not think that, especially in that in that Packers system, I thought he was going to be asked to block a lot more. Um, didn't think he was a great blocker and didn't think he was great running routes, but they've really uh, found something him like down the field in those seam balls where, where he's really good at. Um, so those are the two guys that I would think of. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll go uh, with me. The first one that pops off my head has to be Josh Downs. I had him outside my top five. I had him, I had him sixth. I think I even at one point dropped him to seven below Marvin Mims. Uh, bad look by me. Uh, I'll uh, I'll take it on the chin. <laughs> but but I I wrote down you know I wish he was a bit bigger and I was I was worried genuinely about the step up in talent and what that would do for his route running because I I saw in college and on tape that sticky corners were a problem for him and if not given enough if not given enough cushion uh, he they very easily disrupted his route. Uh, that's at least what I put down. And I mean, gosh, when, when you watch the Colts play, this guy is wide open. It's, it's pretty appalling. Uh, I mean, pretty sure both of you were pretty high on Josh Downs. Uh, that's one guy yeah. fourth. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, good I also had him fourth. fourth. Yeah. I, yeah. But I had him like, I dropped him tears. Like I, he was pretty low for me. He was below Jalen Hyatt and, and JSN. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Whatever. It is what it is. An- another guy that uh, I- I'm happy to say I was kind of wrong about. I mean, he was only my he was still my second tight end, uh, second safety. So he's fairly high. But 
I really love the versatility that Brian Branch has been able to bring to the Lions. Obviously, he's been a little bit hurt, and since coming back, he's still definitely a little injured and not playing at his best. But what we saw the first, I don't know, five, six weeks of the season, he was a stud being able to play safety. And, and of course, one of the most important positions in NFL right now, in the NFL right now, that is very, very, very underappreciated in, in that slot corner. And he, he was great on some of the best slots in, in the league. So uh, those two definitely come to mind first. Yeah, he's going to be a, a key for that back end of the he defense. Is. For he is. He's going to be really good for them. Yeah, you know how I feel about Brian Branch. He was a top 20 player for me. Um, Definitely not for me. He's been awesome. Uh, We'll go back to me. Uh, Which player since our summer scouting has fallen most? Or not most. Who's just fallen on your draft board? Ooh. Let me pull up Uh, that sheet now. Let's see. Yeah, mine mine is really easy. Not fallen most, but definitely fallen pretty considerably. I definitely just want to pull it up real quick and see what I wrote about him. Because... The, I mean, the guy was coming off a pretty injured season, but uh, my uh, my dropper is definitely going to be Michael Hall, uh, the interior defensive lineman or just defensive lineman, however you want to call it, uh, for Ohio State. Uh, a lot of people were a little bit lukewarm on him because even though he was he played really, really well last year on only about 250 snaps or something because he was hurt. He was, uh, in my opinion, he was all over in that he lived in the backfield but he's only about 6'2 280 85 so a lot of people thought of him a little bit as a tweener and it's definitely showing uh, I don't know if it's if it's because he's still a little bit hurt but he's gotten all the opportunity in the world he's already eclipsed you know 300 I don't know 320 snaps this year he's played predominantly inside um over the the b gap and and he just only has two sacks and he gets bottled up a lot. Uh, I mean, when I watch Ohio state, I, he just doesn't really show the, uh, the really powerful NFL ready frame that I saw on tape. It's a good one. Right. What about you? Yeah. So I got two guys that came to mind. Uh, the first is uh, Florida corner, Jason Marshall. He was my cornerback five and he's pretty been pretty disappointing this year. I, I assume he's probably not even going to come out this season, but uh He's only got two pass defense uh, defenses and no picks. He's allowed five touchdowns. Uh, I think like almost 400 yards. He's allowed like an 80-yard reception, 75-yard reception, a 50-yard reception. So he's gotten beat deep, and I was kind of worried about the um, the foot speed. They kind of they kind of got quiet at points. I thought that could get lead to him getting beat deep. And then his tackling, I think he's only got a missed tackle percentage of about 12%, it looks like, but – his, his form tackling in particular, he just I feel like he just kind of throws his body around, which is a little worrisome. So that's one player. And then another, I think we saw if we actually were talking about him a little bit before the pod on a different conversation, but uh, Moose Muhammad. Mm. I was I was really high on him preseason. I think I want to say he was wide receiver seven maybe for me. And he's just been kind of phased out of his offense entirely. I think he he's played 269 snaps, so he's been banged up a little bit, not really playing in a full-time role. And I think he only has like, 189 receiving yards on this season so far. So he's been phased out this A&M offense. Maybe the new staff comes in. Maybe he, I'm assuming he'll probably transfer and, and stay in another year, his last year of eligibility, and he won't come out either. But he's been really disappointed. I thought he'd, he'd emerge as a day two wide receiver prospect. Yeah, that's a good one. I know you were super high on him coming out of summer. Uh, my guy that I thought of was also my wide receiver seven when we did these uh, – 
when we when we did these rankings, it's Juice Wells from, from South Carolina, the wide receiver. He's had a foot injury that's kind of just lingered basically the whole season. And it's been multiple weeks for the past like month where the team's been saying, he's right there, he's coming back, he's right there, he's coming back, and he just hasn't yet. So either he can't get over this injury, which is not good because foot injuries are tough to come back from, or he's just sitting out and he's just waiting for the draft, which I also don't like because I don't think he's special enough to do that, where he's like a guaranteed two second round top two round player. Um, there's so many good wide receivers in this class. I feel like I say that every single week, um, but over summer, like I said, I had him at seven. I have him at 15 right now. So he's taking a, a pity bit. Pretty big drop. Yeah, he's a he's a weird player for me. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to make on him. Yeah, I mean, in, I think he played two games this year. He caught a touchdown on one of them, and then he got hurt, and that was kind of the last we've seen of him. So uh, we'll be I, cur- we'll be curious to see what happens come draft time. Hmm. Nice. All right, Ray. Let's go to your second question. Okay, so. Mine's not a direct draft question, but it has draft implications and just overall league-wide implications. So, I like it. Um, the, I mean, the, the biggest, the best dynasty we've seen in our lifetimes for sure, probably top three in all sports history, the, the Patriots. They, that seems like it's over. And I was I was the one who, I feel like I was the last one holding on when I said, as long as Bill Belichick's there, it's never over. But they're 2-8. and eight. It's, it's over now. They look destined for a top five pick. Uh, do you think this is Bill Belichick's last season? And if so, do you think he's fired? Do you think he's retired? Someone, I think I just saw this maybe 20 minutes before this podcast, before I even, uh, after I even wrote this question, I think it was Orlovsky said that he hears that he's going to go coach another team. Do you think that's a possibility? So what do you think the future holds for Bill Belichick? And then I guess the Patriots as a whole with this uh, Mac Jones fiasco. Um, Dean, you want me to just, I can start here. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I think this is most likely Bill Belichick's last season. I think if I had to put a percentage on it, I think it'd probably be somewhere around 75%. Um, I think the riff, especially between Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft, has kind of run its course. I feel like they've had so many run-ins over the past few years, and just the dynasty and the winning held them together, but... I think you even saw it with that whole the whole Jimmy G Tom Brady thing. I think really kicked it off, where they really wanted Jimmy G to take over, and Belichick wasn't ready to relinquish that, uh, or Robert Kraft wasn't ready to re- relinquish that. I think the conversation also becomes, he's the GM of the Patriots, which is crazy considering how poorly they've drafted over the last few years. Does a team want to bring him in? and be the GM. I'm assuming that whatever team he goes to, that's that's written in stone that he's the GM, which is kind of crazy. But um I do think this is this is the end and I do think he'll end up on another team. I'm curious to see what team though is willing to take him on and what t- what team is he willing to go to cuz he doesn't want to go to a shit team. Are contenders available for him to go to? I automatically think not even that they're contenders, but the Chargers are interesting because they have Herbert. And I think also Tampa could possibly be interesting, barring what they do in the quarterback market. Oh, um, oh. so those are the two teams that I think of. 
but I do think this is Belichick's last year. I just, I just want to add on to that because I, I found that to be uh, an interesting take. I, I would think a disappointing maybe first-round loss in the playoffs again for a Cowboys team with a Jerry Jones who's Ooh. a guy who just fucking – you know, he'll do whatever. And uh, Mike McCarthy, you know, when he is – when that team is not performing well, he is on the chopping block almost immediately, and it, it does not look good. And Jerry Jones usually comes out and says some pretty outlandish stuff that can honestly implicate anyone uh, to be gone at any time. But I, for, for me personally, I, I'm pretty sure he's covered for next year on on his contract for Bill, if I'm not correct, right? I'm pretty sure I'm not positive. Yeah. I mean, I know that doesn't really mean too much. I think that's when it's. I mean, t- you got to trade picks. It happened yeah, with it John Payton. It def- definitely means something. You got to yeah, trade picks for but, him. But honestly, in my opinion, I I think Bill, and, I, and this is going to go off of how Ray started this question, considering they are one of, you know, top five most pro- prolific dynasties in sports. And to say that for football, I feel like just means uh, even more. I, I think he has full impunity to do as he wishes uh, until the end of time. Uh, I, I believe, I believe Bill wants to coach till he quote croaks. Um, I botched that, but uh, was not meant to be cute. I genuinely think that he probably will. He just looks like that guy who just wants to be leading that ship till he goes and. I feel like he probably most likely will not be leaving and going to another place. So I think he'll just be there and getting ready to, you know, potentially have a top three pick next year, use it on a Drake may and move forward, hopefully get uh, an offensive mind in there. He has been uh, an amazing delegator throughout his career and hopefully he could get the right guys in there. And I think he probably just runs it back till, till he goes. Uh, and I, I don't think that Robert Kraft is going to tell him no. I don't know. It could be crazy. I, I mean, I kind of agree with both of you, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm, like, I'm on the fence here. I think it's 50-50. Uh, I, don't, I don't think – I think whatever happens, though, I don't think it's going to be like a firing. And I don't think it's going to be like he's going to get tra- – I think, I think what happens is, like, I think they just come to an agreement. Like, okay, like, you can part ways if you want – whether he coaches again this year, I just don't know. Because like you said, the whole player personnel aspect of it, it makes a huge difference because he's been running the ship in New England for however long I can remember. Um, so would a team be willing to, to give him that power? I do think the Cowboys was a good a point, even as, although they have been playing outstanding this year. I don't know if McCarthy, I mean, like you said, maybe an, a really embarrassing early exit could get him fit can, but who knows? Dude, it does not matter how well the Cowboys do. That's it, true. It takes that one game and it's just wild. It flips. And I, th- and I think with Jerry being the GM there, I think there can maybe work out an agreement. Like he's the one hiring him and he's like the GM. I think they could work out some sort of a player personnel agreement, but another, just a funny one in my mind, imagine the Raiders go ahead and give Bell to check the keys <laughs> to the fucking team. And they just say, fuck it. If there's anyone who could do that, it'd be Mark Davis's goofy ass. I would die. I think that'd be the funniest thing in the world. I, I think the players, the players would riot. Oh yeah, someone yeah, would, yeah. It'd be, but how funny would that be? They just fire McDaniel's and uh, whatever his name is, the GM Cas- uh, Casario. Yeah, and they just say fuck it. Let's just bring in, let's bring in the the big dog. Let's bring in Bill. Big Bill. Give him big some, big. give him some fucking ownership in the team or something like that. Yeah. Good question. That's Good definitely question. what it would come with. 
Good stuff. Uh, Dino, what do you got for your second question? Okay. This one's a little bit of a mouthful, so bear with me. So when talking about the NFL draft, we we frequently speak about premium positions. And while other positions are, are important, most people regard four positions as premium. Of the three premium positions outside of quarterback, these, of course, being edge, corner, and offensive tackle, which do you believe is most important in today's NFL and why? I feel like nowadays you got the wide receivers in there too. I agree. I know I almost did, but I feel like that technically isn't. But but you know what? Let's throw it in there. I I yeah. do agree that it is one for um, me. That's not going to even change my answer. And the way and it's the not way it changed mine either. And the way and, it's and the way that teams draft, they kind of. I mean, wide receivers kind of own the back half of of the first round almost year in and year out. So it really is a premium position. But I feel like it's just. When you're thinking of you know top one, top two coming out that are could be in you know the top five picks of the NFL draft on a position basis, I feel like we always are kind of talking about edge, corner, and tackle. I agree. Yeah. I, I think those three are definitely premium, and I think I just think you have to throw a wide receiver in nowadays just with yeah. the money they're making. Without a doubt, think- I agree. Sauce, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, I, think yeah, I, I think we may have the same answers. So. I think we're going to have different answers, honestly. I think okay. mine is different from you guys as well. Uh, so, go. I'm going to go with the offensive tackle. I know you're a big edge guy. Um, but the most important position in, in the game is the quarterback. The second most important position in the game is the guy who protects the number one most important position. That's kind of my philosophy, and I think defensively, if you don't have a great pass rush, your defense can still be good enough with a good secondary and good scheme. I think on offense, no matter how good your quarterback is, if you can't protect, you can't run offense. Um, And I think especially the way the league has trended in terms of talent over these past few years, there are so many good pass rushers now. There are so few really good offensive linemen. You see it every single week, these offensive linemen who get thrown in to these games who are terrible. Now, it's tough to compare the two because playing offensive line, while you are on an island a lot of the times, it is a team collective. You block as a team. Um, But I do think just the way that the talent has trended, there's so few great offensive tackles that those guys are just put at such a premium. So I think in that sense, I'm going to go with the offensive lineman. Okay, so I was 50-50 on this. I am going to go with the pass rusher. And my the what, what really swung me when I was thinking this over, one offensive lineman does not make a collective offensive line. That's fair. Protect a quarterback. One defensive lineman can break games. So I'm going to go with a, an elite pass rusher being this the premium, the top of the premium positions outside quarterback. I think you know, just, just for that reason. I love it because I feel like we, we hit the trio. Mine personally, and I know this sounds probably crazy, it, it's definitely been probably philosophy that's going around the NFL more and more because it, it is such a highly drafted position more, now more than ever. Mine's going to be corner. I know it, <laughs> it hurts doing between two tackles and saying this, but person, but personally, when you look at pressure rates that go on in the NFL right now, you don't think of – when you look at the pressure rates and the sack rates, you don't see the teams at the top of the gamut that have the best edge rushers. I, I know it sounds crazy, but they usually translate 
to having very stout secondaries. And when you see a guy like a Devon Witherspoon come out immediately and just be an an automatic trendsetter and be a guy who can who who can you know be a, a staple in a defense like a Sauce Gardner, like a Patrick Sertain, I feel like we're seeing it more and more. Those guys can be immediately pieces of the puzzle that provide your defensive line to get the pressure that it's needed and provide the schematic flexibility for these defensive minds and defensive coaches to blitz as they see fit and do different stuff. And I feel like they want more flexibility because guess what? You could always scheme pressure and you could always, you could always have a few guys that rotate in and out that aren't, you know, the Von Millers of the world or the Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa or, you know, the Khalil Mack, Micah Parsons, and you could still get a lot of pressure home. Some of the guys that have a ton of pressure, they aren't huge names and that's due to corners. And I know I very I, interesting. I we all have three different answers, but I, I mean, genuinely, I genuinely believe that. I mean, it's I, like, it's very, very minute, but like best, best guy available out of those three say, say that I have the exact same rating for all three. And I need, I need help at all three because I'm the Chicago bears. I'm taking the corner. Interesting. I disagree wholeheartedly, but to, to play devil's advocate, I do think there's something to be said for a Revis level cornerback, which they're, they're generational, but they're just coming being, out. No, I'm, no, shut up. No, they're not. <laughs> I'm not, being, I'm not, I'm not comparing anyone. I'm to just Reeves. saying, but like just being able to shut down half a field is very valuable. That said the whole other, if you have, I mean, if you have Kyle Wilson on the other corner spot, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. it doesn't make, it doesn't, make an entire pass defense. You know what I mean? I think one player can be, can really manufacture a pass rush, one pass rusher. Yeah. That makes sense. I hear you. It's fair. All right. We'll go back to, I fucking love that question. Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, We'll go back to my questions here. I have which non first round quarterback. So obviously this, this could change, but we're talking Caleb, Drake, May, Penix. I'm going to throw JJ and, Bo Nix in there right now. Out of none of those guys, non-first-round quarterbacks, could you see making an impact? Just an impact? Just making like you mean year one, or is that like or just like getting an opportunity where there's a where there's a if they get an opportunity in year one, who can make an impact? Hmm, it's a good question. Who go... are we ruling out? We're, ru- we're ruling out. I'm ruling out Caleb, Drake, May, Penix, McCarthy. Bonix, Jordan Travis. No, he's not. He's not ruled out. Uh, was there one more? I said no. Um, that's five, right? Yeah, there's those five. Mine, mine is easy. Jane Daniels. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, he's he's electric. He's a fucking gamer, and dude, that guy's got a nose. He'll always have. I I don't know if maybe he has like a like a lingering eye, like a lazy eye, but you're looking at him. <laughs> And he has two guys, his first and second, say, and even third read are are fucking five to ten yards. They're 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 short to intermediate routes. I don't know what it is. The guy always has one eye looking at whichever fucking receiver is going as far as possible. He's always wants that big motherfucking play, and I love that. Uh he never gets discouraged. And this is that's he's probably going to be, I would assume, a mid to back end of the sec of a second 
kind of guy potentially could leak out to the to the third round. But if he's given an opportunity, he's going to not look incompetent. That's for sure. So that's the new BTT standard. We need a quarterback with a lazy eye so he can see the whole field. He does. <laughs> he always sees. I, I've never watched an LSU game, and that's why I love betting LSU team total overs. He's never He never does not know if there's a wide-open guy 30 yards downfield. Have him coach the Jets tomorrow. Please. I mean, I think – I mean, I gotta, I hate to do it, but I got to agree with Dean. I think Jaden Daniels is probably the obvious choice just because, I mean, I think the dual threat nature of the position nowadays is obviously run its course and it's just everyone wants to see it. But he's played so much fucking football, man. I saw a highlight today of him throwing a touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk. I don't even know how it's possible. <laughs> the guy's been in the league for like five years now. Uh, the guy, he's played – I got his stats up right now um, – Oh my God. He's played like 53 games already in college. So he's got tons of experience at that Brock Purdy, uh, like, I guess measurement for you in a sense where he's just played a ton of college football. So I think he's someone that would be an obvious choice. I think Dean touched on another person, Jordan Travis. I mean, he's a little small and he's kind of banged up frequently. So that's the one concern I have with him now. And he's, he's kind of dropped in my rankings over the course of the season, but, um, He's another one dual threat ability. He's, I feel like he's really poised in the pocket too. So I, I could see him. Uh, if he's going to say TVD, who? If you're going to say TVD, who? Tyler, Tyler Van Dyke. Oh, TVD. TVD. Yeah. yeah, Tyler Van. Oh, yeah. Am I okay? Because Tyler Van Dyke is on top of mind for me. Fuck <laughs> out of here. <laughs> I feel like you can always champion him. He sucks. Um, Guy blows yeah. Well, I mean, when I first came up with this question, obviously, I. Agree with you guys. Jaden Daniels was the first name that came to mind. Two other guys that I was thinking of, Michael Pratt from Tulane. Yeah. Um, he was banged up a little bit this year, but extremely accurate. Doesn't really turn the ball over. Feel like he could fit into a system whether they bring him in. Um, and then the other guy, God, we hate this guy, but Spencer Rattler. <laughs> There's no way. This is Dude. a guy, this is this is a guy that people were talking about being the number one overall pick just a few years ago. Obviously, it hasn't panned out, but honestly, everything I've seen from him this year, this guy's tough as shit, and I kind of respect what he's done this year at South Carolina. I think he has the belief in himself that he's the best player on the field at all times, which is extremely important for a late round guy coming in who isn't going to be the full-time starter, but he comes in in a pinch. Um, and he's got a big arm, man. He makes some great throws. So he's another guy that uh, that I've been looking at. But God, do I hate you. I, I mean, how, can I give two more names that I'm just thinking yeah, about go ahead. off the top of my head? Yeah. Devin, Devin Leary. Fuck that has, guy. That I mean, guy yeah, fucking stinks. Holy I guess shit. he's another NC one. State? He's just another one who's he's played a ton of football uh, at a high – like a high division level that is he's i mean he's i know he struggled the last couple of years hasn't really lived up to expectation but he's someone who's played in the sec and acc so i can see him being a day three guy um and oh shout out dylan graham mertz i don't th- i don't know if he's gonna come out i think he has another year of el- eligibility but that guy's played his fucking ass off this year i think he's like a 75 percent completion percentage something like that so if for some reason he decided he come to come uh, am i dumb can he come out oh never mind Yes, I guess he yes, can. he he can definitely come out. I think he can go back for another year, though. Um, so who knows if he does come out? But that being said, he's someone who's really impressed this year. I could see uh, he's another one who's just been playing since he's a freshman. So I could see him maybe getting thrust into a role like a um, what's his name? 
So no, uh, no, no one, no one gonna like a Bajan. Oh, let's talk about uh, what's called the Aiden O'Connell. But what are you saying, Dean? Uh, no one gonna say Shadur. I mean, she, he's probably good. He's he's he's, good. he's going back to school. Yeah, he's going back to school. All right, Ray. Uh, your final question. What do you got for us? Uh, hold on, let me get the list back up. Um, oh, okay, this is a good one. So, with uh, with underclassmen now being eligible for the uh, the all star all star circuit, if you will, so the Shrine Game and uh, Senior Bowl, what kind of impact do you think it's going to have on the game? Do you think it's going to be fifty fifty split? Do you think it's going to be seventy still seventy five twenty five seniors? And also, how like which what tier of underclassmen do you think are going to actually go and play in the game? Who do you think the highest underclassmen is going to be at the game? Do you think Caleb Williams and Drake may go and do interviews? No, uh, just for um, shits and gigs, right? Just for shits and gigs. You think they just show up down there? Like probably what, not. Like who's going to show up um, at the underclassmen? Dean, can I take this one? Yeah, please. Um, yeah, I think there are big pros and cons to to both this coming up. Pros. More talent on the field is always nice to have, especially for a product to watch for us, at least. I love watching mm-hmm. the Senior Bowl. So, hey, if you can throw some really good juniors in there, I love that stuff. Um, I also think the competition level is going to get raised, too, in, in that case. I think cons, the some of the lower guys that maybe get last-second invites will get pushed down to those lower games and may, maybe not get as much... Uh, Notoriety. A scouting time uh, as some other guys. I think of, I just mentioned him, Tyson Bajan, who's a, a Division two quarterback, who's now a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, he was at the Senior Bowl, so uh, maybe he doesn't get an invite like last year. Um, Marte Mapu, who's a, a guy who got drafted by the Patriots. He was like, a, I think he was Sacramento State. Um, so maybe like those type of players don't make it and those diamonds in the rough don't make it. Um I think a lot of these juniors, if they do go, will go and not play, like you said, and just interview. I think it's great for teams in, in that sense. You get extra time to to be with these players before you make a decision. Um, and then what was the last part of that? It was guy like a player that like who do you go. think the what do you like think the, the highest, highest caliber players? Who do you think are going to so? Start? Um, honestly, right off the bat, I'm thinking like Kalen King. Galen King is a player who was a standout last year. He's having a down year this year. He's ultra competitive. And I think if he goes, maybe doesn't even have to play in the game. Maybe just goes to the practices and dominates. You just firmly solidify yourself as a first round corner, even after a down year. So I think players Mm -hmm. like that, who maybe preseason were coming in with a, more expectation and then just didn't really play that well. Maybe you can play yourself into a higher round. Um, so Kalen King, I think was a, a guy I, I just thought of. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with absolutely everything Saw says. And for that reason, I feel definitely a slightly indifferent about it. I, I mean, it's going to be more tape on young guys and, you know, that's going to get, you know, get us jazzed and it's going to be a higher level of competition. Uh, you know, as they say, iron sharpens, sharpens iron. So it'll be really, really cool, especially when we see a ton of the individual drills, which now I am extra, extra stoked to fucking watch, especially in the trenches. And just like Sauce said, when it comes to wide receiver and corners, kind of, uh, you know, doing some routes. And honestly, when it gets to the competition that I think will be there, I think it starts with the trenches. I feel like this will 
if you are uh, invited and in the trenches and are not hurt and haven't been hurt recently, I feel like you're, they're going to go automatically. I, I feel like it rarely will hurt these. I agree. I, I think it's especially the, yeah. I think it's, I, I agree. I think especially the D linemen. Yeah. I think, played, I think immediately of like Olu, well. Joe Alt, I think of Jimmy Newton. I, I think they go immediately because they are going to make mincemeat of a, a lot of great, very, very solid players and solid seniors who, are going to go out there. They're going to just solidify themselves as the alphas in the room for sure. Yeah. I also don't, I don't know the full rules and extent of this, but I'm very curious to see if they do something like how the NBA has done in the past year, a uh, year or two where you can now go to the combine without an agent, get feedback from teams and then go back to school. Um, I know now it's like the juniors, you get, you get a grade, you get a grade from the committees and then that's how you ultimately, ultimately make your decision. But I think now if you can go to an all-star game, play out that weekend, see how you do and see how teams react to you and then go back. I think that that's really interesting for future years. That would be really interesting. They'll probably allow that. I I just, my bad, right before you chime in, I definitely just want to add one more point. I I feel like, this is not going to change much of what we see quarterback wise happen. I just feel like quarterbacks are not going to be very inclined if they're upper echelon juniors. I just feel like they're not going to go. But I, I just feel like they may go just for interviews and they're just not. Maybe I don't like consider chill. that fully going, but yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. I agree. I just don't so, think they're going to play. So my, t- thought, my thought process on this is I'm curious if they have, I don't know what to try to like a cap on how many juniors they can invite. I feel like that's something that would be kind of useful. And this goes against my better judgment, I guess, or quotas on D2 players that they have to have a certain amount. Cause I do mm-hmm. think it does price price out for lack of a better term. Some of those small school guys, which is kind of a shame just because like you mentioned sauce, that you can really find some diamonds in the rough. So I really do hope they leave a certain amount of spots open for those guys who just haven't had the, uh, like media coverage and whatnot and can play against the level of competition that's there now. Right. I think the the thing with the guys going and just interviewing, I feel like that would have to be set in stone earlier because you can't fill out a roster where both teams have three quarterbacks. Then all three guys are like, I'm not going to play. Yeah. You, know, true. You, see, you still have to put on the actual game. So I'd be curious to see what Jim Nagy and, and the, his whole staff come up with. In that sense, I feel like they're definitely going to release some rules or guidelines or something like, to see how they're going to handle it. And then also just for my last part, uh, I completely agree with Dean on the fact that uh, trench play are going to be like, the top guys. And I think the first person that came to my mind was like Leonard Taylor. I feel like, mm. that's, uh, I feel like that's an environment where he'd really shine someone who with all his tools then could just go one on ones. I feel like teams would really love that. So right. good question. I like it. Dino, what do you got for your last question? Yeah, for my last one, uh, we saw just just recently Quinn Ewers, uh, I mean, reports of Quinn Ewers expected to return to Texas uh, next year. And especially for a class that is so star-studded in the quarterback, as far as quarterbacks go, and with a lot, a lot of teams, not really, I feel like most, I feel like years before there have been more teams more quarterback needy if that makes sense 
And because of that that dynamic, I feel like there probably is going to be a few other surprises as far as QBs that return for another year in college. And my question to you guys is, besides Quinn Ewers, uh, who else would you guys say is a potential quarterback to stay another year? Uh, Go ahead. Does Cam rising for his eighth year count, or is that that... (laughs) he does count? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So. If you would have asked me this a month ago, I think I've probably said it on the pod multiple times. I really would have said JJ McCarthy, uh, especially when we beat them and knocked them out of the playoffs uh, in a couple in next week or whatnot. Like I think he'd want to come <laughs> back and uh, some, get some more tape on there out there and try to win one, which he won't do. But uh, with this whole obviously the uncertainty around the whole program and Harbaugh and whatnot, I feel like it would make sense for him to come out now. Um, Shador Sanders, we already touched on two so i think that those are the top two that would come to mind i think Shadur sanders is almost a lock to go back to school mm-hmm. i don't want to take i have another one too but i don't want to take it you go sauce uh yeah i have two um i think the first one is carson beck um he's played extremely well this year i think he exceeded my expectation i think he exceeded a lot of people's expectation um but george is going to be in the thick of it again next year they're going to have a really good team coming back so if you can come back, that, the class of 2025, I mean, as it stands right now, unless more guys go back, I don't think it's that loaded of a class. Like, he could play his way to a top quarterback position next year. Um, so he's the first guy I thought of, and then the other one was Riley Leonard. Okay, um, that's, who I, that's who my last guy was going to yeah, be. Yeah, just with the in, with the injury stuff, um, think think he could also go back. I think he's only 21, too. So, uh yeah, those, those Carson Beck and Riley Leonard were the two guys I thought of. Jeez. Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, those were the first that I thought of as well. I do want to add this because I, I want to lend credence to the fact that I don't think it's a hoax. I don't think they're lying. I think he's being extremely truthful. And I think that most likely the first overall pick will be with the Bears. So I think there is a shot that Caleb Williams stays another year. He is making more than he would make as a rookie with NIL NIL deals. I think he's eclipsed 4 million already. And that was, I want to say a month ago, there was some murmurs going around that. I mean, your signing bonus for the number one pick is more than 4 million, but yeah, of course, but he's going to make probably 10 mil next year in NIL deals. It's going to be ridiculous. So uh, I feel like I forgot who, but someone in this camp came out and said, well, he doesn't need to come out for the money anymore. That's not a thing. And I feel like that paired with just how he is in the media and I, I just feel like he's definitely a guy who feels like he is God. He has a God complex for sure. And I get it. I feel like probably outside of like eight NFL uh, franchises, they would do anything to attain him right now. So uh, it's definitely warranted. And he is an absolute stud for sure. But I feel like if that first team is going to be the Bears, I I feel like he might just be like, oh, fuck you guys. I'm staying. I don't I don't think it's impossible. I think it has a more than a one percent chance, should I say. You're such a mark, Dean. Such a mark. (laughs) Mark. (laughs) Yeah, I don't see that happening. It's just it's too much to pass up on to not come out. It would be crazy, though. Um, Yeah, it would turn the whole draft upside down. It would. I feel like he'd be a full heel move too, because he's already not liked by a lot of people. I think if he does that, people would get off. I like Chicago would he'd be on like a hit list. So, 
All right. Last question. I get one more because, you know, I'm special like that. Um, so which team currently in the top 10 in the draft order could make the playoffs next year? I'll read them out for you real quick. Um, it's Carolina, who obviously doesn't have their pick. The Giants, the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Bears, the Packers, the Rams, the Titans, the Falcons, and the Commanders. Which one of those teams most likely to make the playoffs next year? Ooh, do oh, you can go really first? Because I have two in mind. I feel like I, I feel like I like, I feel like I need to go through methodically because I didn't, I didn't think about this question at all. Uh, I, fine, I'll go first. Fuck it. Yeah, um, go ahead. I, I'll go. I'll go the Falcons, just because I yeah. feel like they're deep. They they turn their they're in a weak a weak division rather. They can yeah, make playoffs this year. Their defense <laughs> their defense has turned around this year just solely on free agency. And I do think they're going to go uh, relatively hard to get a quarterback in that in that building. So with all that skill, position, talent, the offensive line's locked up, uh, an improved defense. I do think that that's a team that could make a jump next year. And then uh, I'll, I'll save a last one. I'll let you guys go first. But I don't want to take everyone. I gotta go. I gotta go. Titans and Vrabel. <laughs> I I just I just think that I have just supreme faith in him, and I feel like Will Levis has been. I feel like he's given you a building block that you could feel confident building off of. You still have D hop there. You you have pieces around this team for sure. Derrick Henry's not going anywhere. I don't know. I feel like that's just like a that's just like a gut feeling. But outside that, dude, fucking Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, dude. I was gonna say the Cardinals. I think I think that's a good pretty good guess as yeah. well. Um yeah, the Cardinals are are my answer. I think they just have so many picks this year, and of all those teams, they have the most set quarterback situation. Um, so I think the Cardinals, but I also agree, Ray. I think Atlanta too. I th- I mean, I think Atlanta could possibly make the playoffs this year if they figure out something at quarterback. Um, I mean, Chicago. You can't. I don't think you can rule out Chicago either. Um, most likely going to have a, a new coach. Okay. Uh, yeah, most likely have a new coach. Potential to have two top five picks. If you can, two, potential to have two top two top three picks. If you can, if you can get Drake May or Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. in that team, I think that's a turnaround in itself. So I mean, it's a, also a conference a division that's on the kind of like the down slope minus uh, Detroit. So that's just my yeah. opinion. That's Dean, a good point, Dean. You said the Titans. How's our a uh, hundred dollar bet? Titans <laughs> seven and a half looking. Oh, that's what the we we made that bet. Oh, oh we some, made. Is it in uh, someone's notes? It uh, is in my notes. It doesn't look good. I remember. I remember we made it. It it's it's honestly trust the process. <laughs> Three game winning streak here for sure. I hear you. The last two they lost. The last two they lost were 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 tough. I, dude, I just don't get how. I just don't understand how the Steelers are you know, six and three. It actually is appalling to me. Yeah, that reminds me. I have I have a lot of bets in my notes. There needs to be there needs to be a serious and insane thirty for thirty done on Mike Tomlin on, on and what he was able to do with eighteen years of being plus five hundred, which is just, I mean, it's like Bill Belichick level crazy. Yeah, freaking. All right, boys, that was fun. Mm-hmm. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Between Two Tackles. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed our 10 burning questions. Stay with us. 
More draft talk coming up. We got mocks coming up, big boards coming up, player rankings, team rebuilds. We're going to have it all for you leading up to the draft. As always, please rate and subscribe to the pod and follow our Twitter at Two Tackles with the number two. You can also find us on underdogpodcast.com and stick with us as we continue this 2023-2024 season to the 2024 NFL Draft. Fellas, appreciate you.